Hello and welcome back to DF Direct Weekly. I am not Richard Ledbetter. No, it's me, John Lineman. Richard is taking a well-earned vacation this week. His first one in I don't know how long. And as a result, the show is a little different this week. We're just talking about the PlayStation Vita the whole time. I got Jet Set Radio right here. Just get, I, wait, no. Alex, you're with yeah. me, right? Yeah, I'm in here, John. We got a we got a whole list of things. I don't have a PlayStation Vita in my hands. I do have an entire bucket of cables. If you ever wanted to, oh my god, those. look at those cables. Yeah, that, there's even some, a, stuff. some 3D glasses from Nvidia in there. Look at that. Oh man, I miss those. But we're not alone this week, Alex. Uh, the other folks at DF are busy, so we were like, who the heck can we get on to join us once again? And thankfully, we found someone. It is, of course, <laughs> the wonderful longtime game journalist. Friend of the show, Sam the Mac Daddy Muscovich. What's up, Sam? Oh, I'm just. I, I heard that with Richard not being here, that I could talk about Playdate for an entire hour and a half. So uh, I'm ready to crank. You, you just revealed to the world that you have not been playing your Playdate because the screen is always on unless the charge is is completely, you know. That gone. that's the that's the first thirty minutes of the conversation <laughs> is about the battery, and I feel like this is the place to have that kind of con- extensive battery mm-hmm, conversation. Mm-hmm. No, right sorry, 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 folks. We're not going to subject you to this. Instead, we're going to get into the show because we do have some interesting things to talk about today. Uh, we've got 343. We've got game shutting down. We've got DLSS triple. We've got m- all kinds of stuff <laughs> going on. We've got questions. Uh, it's it's a fun time. We're all sipping energy. Wait, no, we're not going to do energy drinks. I don't want to get water. Sam might. Mm-hmm. But anyway, mm-hmm. let's get into the show. Starting with news topic number one. All right, first up on the list is uh, interesting, not so positive news, I feel for these folks. It's 343, the developers of much of Halo, ever since Halo 4, and I guess the remastered version of Halo 1, uh, 343 has been gutted and rebooted. The studio has effectively fired, laid off, whatever you want to say, a large chunk of staff and... Gosh, I feel bad for those folks there because, uh, I mean, it's pretty clear that things have not been going well there, but a lot of those people are extremely hard workers. So, Alex, why don't you start us off on this? What, what's going on here? So, well, as a part of this, um, there was people leaving. There was people being fired. Uh, a large part of the tech team was uh, laid off as well, too. There were rumors beforehand that 343i would just become like a multiplayer support studio. But at this point in time, it seems more like... Um, Halo 5 is going to, or sorry, Halo Infinite is going to become a multiplayer support title as the entire company is restructured, not around the current slip space or slipgate engine. I always forget the name. It's slip, like space, slip space. Yeah. Slip space. Um, uh, but instead migrating over to Unreal Engine 5. And I think that's an interesting conversation for us to have essentially uh. is whether or not um, the tech behind Halo Infinite was successful. Uh, I think that's a really good t- topic for us to discuss. Uh, as well as kind of what happens from here and what we would like to see happen uh, in general regarding 343i and Halo. Because, I mean, Halo Infinite's already been out for a while now. We kind of have a lay of the land. We know what can be done and what can't be done. Uh, I don't know. How do you see this, Sam? <sighs> 343i has been this interesting thing in the Seattle area 
for as long as I can remember. I've been living in Seattle almost 16 years now, and it's been this this little thing that's been part of the Xbox division as the Xbox division has wildly changed. Remember, we're going from Halo being the only thing keeping Xbox alive to Halo being an afterthought for a big corporate contingent that was much more interested in Connect and taking over the living room back to Halo is going to matter because Bungie's leaving and we need to reestablish it as a cinematic uh single-player campaign or multiplayer campaign focused thing to whatever the heck infinite was uh infinite emerged as this it, it seemed like it was trying to be all things to all gamers it was going to be a, a somehow a multiplayer uh, experience that brought everybody back into the fold and eventually they went for free to play which was hugely ambitious for halo never doing that before it, it had this concept of a campaign that guess could have kept going. I mean, they called it infinite, which makes you think that they're just going to have it as a halo as a service. I do believe that there were talks about it being, I want to say a 10 year halo game, um, which isn't yeah. infinite, but is then certainly greater than what seems to be happening right now, at least on the single player side. Um, th but ultimately, 343i is this company that, from what I've seen, has had people come in and out revolving door-wise from the Bungie side, from the team of people who had worked on Halo. Bungie has had its own ups and downs, and I know there are people who went from one team to the other and back, not like the giant heads of the company, but smaller ones. Um, and then you've also got um, Joseph Staten at the top, uh, richly coming back as this giant superhero back to redeem the team when things were scary and they had to get the game out the door and then they got the game out the door and Joseph kept, wound up just being on damage control it felt like when it came up I to mean, any sort of public proclamation yeah uh, that's that's and, what he's there for first though right like he was brought in in 2020 control. right like the whole point was like okay there's a problem here we got to shit this game. And I think he was one of the people, from what I understand, pushing for the game to be delayed a full year, right? Because it was like, wow. yo, this yeah. is not ready. Right, uh, right. So he came and in, he did his job, and now he's out. So <laughs> you end up, but you end up that with once the game is done, and this is, I don't have this confirmed, but the sense I get is that it went the way of contractors being dumped, support staff being dumped in that way that once the game was shipped, there wasn't this core team of established we're here we were here from the beginning of slip space and we're going to stay here and we're going to keep on building the game so all of the news right now is saying yeah that halo engine isn't being used and that the halo infinite as a canvas isn't being used for more single player content doesn't surprise me because it would take so much work to rebuild an entirely new team and get them up to speed on okay that's how you make campaign content for this either bolted onto the existing world map which teases like you look at the world map in halo infinite and it's easy to imagine Feels like they could do it yeah there's more yeah. places you could potentially yeah. get to on that in that world so there's that that sense of whether it would bolt onto that map or even just be its own new content we heard those rumblings about unreal engine 5 a while ago that part of this whole conversation has been floating around for a while so today's news doesn't surprise me as a result yeah, I, I don't think Halo Infinite is going necessarily to Unreal Engine 5, though. I think that's in reference to whatever they do going forward. Uh, it's pretty obvious, as you say, though, that Halo Halo Infinite was intended to be something bigger. I think that initial reveal trailer says a lot, right? Like, they showed many more things than what actually shipped, and it's clear that they were not able to meet that. So I think we've talked a lot about 
developers throwing their uh, proprietary technology to the sidelines and, and adopting Unreal. And in general, I'm not really for that. I, I do prefer seeing in-house technology sort of like um, cultivated and it's it gives this like sense of, you know, it's what differentiates different studios and different games from the others. And, mm-hmm. you know, EA, for instance, they're still doing Frostbite. UB has its own engines. Those games do feel different than an Unreal Engine game. And I think that's important. But I'm not so I'm not feeling so positive about the Slipspace engine, to be honest. Like it was cool. Some of the things they were able to achieve in it, but it, rendering wise at least based on what shipped in halo it it feels like it was woefully behind the curve and i'm not sure it would have been worth the investment to essentially get it back to where it needed to be uh i mean thinking about all this really got me thinking again about 343's legacy with halo right i feel like halo 4 was probably their most technically ambitious and impressive game in terms of how it turned out it was a very solid looking xbox 360 game i think you can agree with that, right oh it's like i think it's one of my favorite looking xbox 360 games yeah actually. <laughs> they, those guys came out swinging with that game and you know i i have issues with some of the actual content in there but visually it's stunning for the time uh you know halo 5 obviously sacrificed a lot to get to 60 frames per second on an original xbox one which was also a pretty good move but people didn't like the direction of it but halo infinite obviously they wanted something much more than what they could ultimately deliver in the end. So, mm-hmm. uh, man, I, I don't, I, I, w- if I were Microsoft knowing how much money they spent on that project over the years, I just don't see how you could possibly justify doing it again or continuing that thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, um, I want to kind of wrap back around to the question of how successful Halo Infinite was on a technical aspect and why to dump Unreal, sure. you know, dump the tech for Unreal Engine 5. And I kind of feel like what you're saying about Halo 5 uh, and the sacrifices made back then made it maybe kind of haunted a bit of Halo Infinite's development when you look at presentations about it. How at first it was uh, an engine that couldn't do anything but 60 FPS in a weird, you know, like had timing issues and things like that. And also the size of the game world, things we saw like precision issues in the final product, uh, which were really weird to see in a game that was designed apparently for open world. Um, Something that, for example, Unreal Engine 5.1 wouldn't have at all. No, no, it wouldn't have any of that at all. Um, Mm. So I feel like them pushing so hard in the Xbox One time frame had a lot of baggage then for later on when they tried to go big multi-platform and uh, straddle the current and the upcoming generation of consoles and also satisfy everyone's needs. Like Sam was saying, like, this is a game that does multiplayer. It is free to play multiplayer. It does campaign. It does campaign co-op. Oh, wait, it doesn't do campaign co-op. You know, it tried to do so many different things. Well, it and kind f- of does. <laughs> as we know, yeah. it technically can. <laughs> it kind of can. Uh, so... I am like John, I am really saddened to see any sort of technology that is custom, uh, not Unreal and not Unity, not be used any longer. But at this point, with the experience I think I had as a reviewer uh, on the PC version, I can see how it would it'd be a good idea maybe to actually bring Halo over to something more stable and yeah. uh, without as many issues, for sure. I think yeah, I, right. I think I think about... Uh, the hiring that has to be done for them to keep the Halo machine going and what sounds like a multiplayer focus going. And if they didn't keep the brain trust that made Slip Space, that built Slip Space, that was ready to get Slip Space moving forward as perhaps uh, a 
Series X, Series S exclusive engine, as opposed to being chained to the old Jaguar processors of the past generation, then I think there's someone up top who goes, we want to have a revolving door of developers who come in and we're not going to see slip space being used on other games. And also, but there's also the sense of Microsoft did a lot of acquisitions. And from what I know, they like having interplay between their teams. Um, I know the coalition has chipped in to help other teams. <laughs> I can't remember which game it was, but there was a time Halo. where it was like, okay, <laughs> Halo Infinite. Right, but, <laughs> they did it on okay, Halo that's what I, Right. So there's the sense, and I, I get the sense that they continue to look at their roster of various studios in different cities that can each sort of help out. And if Slip Space is only Halo, that takes away their ability to grab people from those different teams. So that's one reason why I think they're bailing on that proprietary engine. That's that's a top level outside of the games division kind of wait. Why are we juggling all these extra engines? Well, yeah, um, I mean, that, that's but hiring it, is easier. It, it, yeah. it is possible. I mean, so that's what Sony does, right? That's basically what Nintendo does as well as they're managing their own technology. The problem I see is specifically with 343 is the way they've seemingly managed their studio with so many contractors and people that are on a short contract, just bringing people in and out and then having to teach them the tools and then they leave. Uh, that's not a great solution, right? Like, and they need to be able to bring people in that can hit the ground running and you do that with Unreal or you cultivate an actual team that is properly salaried, not contract workers doing this core stuff. You, you really need to hire up properly for that, I yeah. think. But I also think that we're when I was talking about this whole trajectory of Microsoft as a business, I think about they're currently in their Game Pass era, in their Shadow Drop a Game era, and I do wonder what they <laughs> want to do with Halo in terms of single-player content. Maybe it's the end of the long campaign game. Maybe it's the shorter episodic game that happens going oh, forward. Oh, I hope not. When dealing with series like this, like long-term series, I really feel like and this is a problem that companies sometimes have is when they try to shoehorn some new fancy business practice that sounds awesome to investors into it it just angers all the fans right and it never yeah. freaking works it does not work if you're gonna try this new stuff don't do it with an ip that's beloved and you know has has such a fan base it's gonna backfire and so you know, it's it's interesting as you say that. What's next for this Halo is that apparently there's that I forget the name of it off the top of my head. It's like Project Tanaka Tatanka is maybe what it's called. It's Battle yeah. Royale uh, version of Halo uh, that has apparently already been running uh, on uh, Unreal Engine for a while now, and that's what it was in development. Is that the one in Texas that's being made? I think it's Certain Affinity is behind. Yeah, it. This is all rumored. To just be that. clear, yeah, yeah, it's all rumored, but. Um, that would be an interesting way to take this forward. I don't think that's what I actually want to see out of it. I think actually what I would like to see is Halo takes a large break. Uh, it doesn't need to come back even in five years, in my opinion. It doesn't. It just needs to. If it comes back, it needs to come back really strong and good. And I don't know, be exciting. <laughs> Which I unfortunately, due to the the run up to Halo Infinite, I wasn't excited around launch time. No, I was actually I was actually pretty negative uh, beforehand. They so. They really yeah. need to step back and look at something like, uh, and so many people have done this, but look at what happened with God of War, right? God of War fizzled out before the 2018 game. 
and that that prior one ascension it really didn't have many fans it felt like the series series was over and they basically went back to the drawing board and architected something that was new and exciting for fans right like it really got people excited about god of war again and i think you can absolutely do this with halo uh, and I think Halo Infinite started out as an attempt to do that. <laughs> to God of and War. It went, and it went yeah. all the way off the rails somehow. <laughs> That's a good I way. Mean, Halo okay. Infinite is a great game in spite of itself. That plot is a mess. Yeah, like the... They stitch so much together at the last minute. You can tell there are these <laughs> long monologues that are just there well, the, to fill yeah, the in plot's bad. the stuff that seemed to have been cut. But the basic feeling for me of platforming around some of those open levels and that idea of two people assaulting one of the open world zones from opposite directions in order to take it down. I looked at that and said, that's the foundation for a new feeling Halo that still has the classic core. And I was really hoping Infinite would get some sort of continued uh, content that had co-op built in from the ground floor, but that's never going to happen. It, it is one of those things where I was hoping that shared campaign kind of experience would be built upon and maybe another team is going to do that or maybe they completely rebuild from the ground up to decide what else halo is going to be but battle royale to me i'm like unless they really have a good idea right now it doesn't seem like a good uh, time to try uh, yet no. another battle and it royale. actually yeah this rolls totally into our next news story of why you don't launch new battle royale games yeah but why don't, why don't... <laughs> Do, do we want to just get to the next news story? Yeah, at this point, okay. we're just dancing on a grave. Yeah, I, I don't want to it's, dance it's on the grave of 343 too much. Let's just say I really hope that somebody somewhere figures out what to do with Halo going forward because Halo Infinite played like a dream, but everything around it is a mess. Having replayed mm -hmm. the campaign last year, the level design mostly sucks. I'll be honest. <laughs> I I think it's they they messed that up, and that sucks because it does play so darn well. The basic uh, shooting and stuff. But we'll yeah. see what happens going forward. But for now, let's get to the next topic, which ties directly into what we we're talking about with games <laughs> shutting down, because apparently, uh, Rumbleverse, Echo VR, Apex Legends Mobile, uh, these three games are getting shut down i think the so, shutdown yeah. notices all came on the same day for all three of those too right right just to yeah they did actually they did echo so, vr was like maybe 12 hours or so after the other two yeah this so first uh, this is something I, i've seen a, so there's been a lot of for many years big companies have been trying to produce the next big multiplayer game and very few ever really take the crown. And you could actually argue that making games like this is akin to an actual battle royale, a corporate battle royale, right? <laughs> Only one can win. Uh, and so, you know, if you're, if you're weighing your options, like we want to produce a multiplayer game like this versus like some kind of single player thing, the single player thing, even if it's not a gigantic success out of the gate, it can be evergreen content. It can be something that lives on for years. But these live service games, if they do not hit, they become a money pit almost instantly. And then eventually all the work is gone forever and your sales are done and you wasted so much time, money, staff over something that just didn't hit. So like, right. 
They yeah. they want to make this money. They see what's happening. They see that Fortnite money, and they're like, "We want that Fortnite money." But getting that Fortnite money is really really difficult, wouldn't you guys say, Alex? <laughs> yeah, I I I can't think of many times. I mean, Apex Legends was one of the ones that came out yeah. uh, in in that time period when it was really popular to try and do these things. We were all seeing Battlefield getting on it. That was right a little bit before Warzone, if I recall, or right around the time of Warzone coming out. Uh, and there's only so much of that pie to to eat up and how much consumer attention it is and you build people that are really into a product maybe for a short span of time uh, but don't invest over longer periods when they realize that they don't like it or something like that and it just loses that that momentum on twitch or youtube gaming or wherever the heck people are streaming these things and then the, the project fails and in this case with at least two of these uh, things here that they're mentioning, Apex Legends Mobile and Rumbleverse. I, I honestly don't think Rumbleverse ever had a chance of getting anywhere. Uh, but I'm actually a little bit surprised about Apex Legends Mobile because uh, as far as I know, the Call of Duty mobile games, for example, are like insanely popular. PUBG um, as well, I think, still. Yeah, yeah PUBG, PUBG Mobile PUBG is still making a ton of money. Fortnite, uh, as, as, as it is available yeah. on mobile devices to a certain degree, obviously, yeah. ever since the Fortnite uh, <laughs> fiasco. But those things are all popular, so I'm a little bit surprised there wasn't a little bit of that pie still available for something like Apex Legends. Uh, but there's like a backside of all this. Uh, another thing that just came out alongside is that there was a silent canceling of a single-player project um, at, um, oh my god, what's the name of the studio? Uh, respawn making Titanfall. Respawn at wait, Respawn. Wait. I missed this. There were they canceled yes. a single. No, <laughs> apparently, apparently it was in the Titanfall what? Apex Legends universe. Is you gotta well, be too. kidding me, These morons! <laughs> well, it was, well, it was a silent cancellation. So who knows how far along the project was and all those yeah. other things. But it it is a bit of a shame to see resources put into like one thing that almost seems like doomed from the get go, uh, and then taken away from glorious single player content. Which is, I don't know. I feel like EA. They've been has doing done. good, all right. They've been doing great lately. Uh, and John, you even put it out on Twitter the other day, I think. Uh, you're saying, like, you know, EA's been making a lot of really great games lately and smaller single-player stuff, too. I'm a little surprised they didn't want to do that again uh, yeah. with, um, with those guys. Especially considering Respawn's history in that space. Well, there's a little yeah. bit of context awesome. for the single-player project uh, over at right. Respawn. Its creative director for that project reportedly left last year. And it sounds like what oh. happened, and just the, in terms of the public-facing story, is that uh, they tried and failed to keep that going. So I could see that, honestly, being uh, okay, EA yeah. going, we have made money from single-player games, but this is cur- turning into a resource pit. Like, I could see that being like, okay, sure, sure. we tried and we failed. Like, we would like that as well. Um, I don't know for mm-hmm. sure. Now, as far as the others go, um, Rumbleverse is a weird one because I think someone... Because that's Epic Games as a co-publisher went with... Uh, the studio that essentially brought so, Killer Instinct's reboot back. Iron Galaxy, day. right? Right. Iron, Iron Galaxy, Galaxy. They really had been wanting to get this going of like a massive, it's Power Stone Battle Royale, basically. And as someone who's loved the Dreamcast era and Power Stone, I was really excited at first. But I think what, what happened from what I can see is that they didn't figure out how to get that gameplay to differentiate enough from the other epic published battle royales you know i um rocket league is in a very different spot fortnite's in a very different spot but rumbleverse just didn't bring people in who were otherwise not playing other games and were not growing in that way and i just don't think that they really thought through how to make that game differentiate how to bring out that fighting gameness i also wonder about fighting games and free to play just because i look at um 
multiverses over from WB, and that seems to be a mess in terms of yeah, player that's, count. That's a, that's a so different like, game. <laughs> but, so in terms of, but in terms of free to play and fighting, I don't know that anybody's. And I know that um, the Riot is working on their own free-to-play uh, fighting game, and maybe they will have yeah, that. Like, we'll see what that's, that's its own conversation. Echo hey, VR. You know, is- Sam, before you, before you move on, uh, I, I this is my like first time ever actually seeing Rumbleverse in action, and immediately like what you described was like, oh, that actually sounds cool. And then I looked at it and I was like, oh. It's like the oh, Fortnite no. art style, basically. Yeah. Like, not right. exactly. But it, it looks like one of those games, right? It's it's that same cartoony-looking, like, like Unreal kind of driven thing. Yeah, it yeah. looks like an Unreal the, Engine 4 game. The and hood you know- is, is jammed full of, like, icons and buttons and nonsense. And like, <laughs> as soon as I look at this, I'm just like, no way in heck would I ever play something like this. Even if it's right. good, like, it just instantly turns me off. And I right. feel like... You know, that's part of the problem is like they're they're all going for the same pie of the people that like these weird cartoony looking. Uh, yeah, OK, I'm going to I'm going to stop before I get in trouble. Right. Well, and, but then from the others, I'll just quickly say Echo VR never figured out how to capture whatever player base is on Quest 2. Uh, it's a very interesting multiplayer shooter in terms of this 360 degree movement thing. Uh, it just seems like a weird move for Meta to not just leave those servers on and just let it just keep on being there for the small but passionate group that likes it. I don't understand why Meta doesn't look at that amount and just go, eh, it's just this thing, unless they really want to draw. It would make more sense if they were drawing attention to something else. I think it's a really dumb move on their part to not cancel and put that player goodwill towards something else. And there's no refunds for players for Echo VR or Apex Legends Mobile, it sounds like. I guess because they were running for right. long enough where if you bought something earlier, they're not going to refund it. They Whereas Rumbleverse, that, yeah. Rumbleverse yeah. they decided, okay, well, it was only six months, so here's all of your money back, which is a pretty, you know, I can't I can't That's be too mad good. at yeah. them for, for saying, okay, we get it. There's a bit of a bait and switch that you invested in this thinking you were going to get more than six months of a game <laughs> as a disservice. Man, I, you know, Good. Yeah, that, that, I'm just saying that Sam was saying the calculus that must be at places like Meta. At the same time, you know, Epic Games took took down or is taking down the master servers of Unreal, of the original Unreal games. So, and those had like a passionate core community that still use them. I think in a case like this, where, where it's like a large company like Meta, they say like, oh, it costs like X amount of thousand euros every month or every couple of months or something to keep these servers up, or we can just get a small. Uh, PR fiasco for like two days and everyone forgets it and I think they just would rather yep. do that besides yeah. they, they need to spend that money on the metaverse itself so, <laughs> which definitely needs I more mean, money <laughs> they sure are burning money I must say it's, uh, it's they're not making what I would say the most uh, yeah the smartest business decision, decisions no, I would say mm-hmm. uh, not anymore but yeah no. I mean that's kind of the state of these things I hate seeing these games close down even if they're not something I would necessarily play, but I think it really highlights the folly of trying to get that easy money by tackling this sort of subject matter. Trying to create games like this is very difficult and success uh, can be very rewarding, but failure is crushing in a way that is not true with many other types of games. And it's just another reminder to everybody looking. The more of these that shut down, the more you go, why would I ever buy a microtransaction in a game that's just going to be gone forever? Like, <laughs> it's just another. Why? I think the more that happens, the more visible it is, the more people are going to go, well, what is what happens when Fortnite shuts down and I lose all my V-Buck skins? 
<laughs> I mean, that's where NFTs come. Oh no, no, no! Let's not. Oh let's no! Not go down oh that no! Yeah. Abort! Because right. that's where we do another game. That's the oh whole point. Oh my god! Just like Sam. that, it's it's magic. It's magic. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's not magic. Moving on to the next topic, that's just inevitable, uh, which we're gonna do right now. All right, news item number three: uh, the triple mm-hmm. DLSS triple. In fact, DLSS three frame generation. Launched this week in Cyberpunk 2077 and Dying Light 2. Uh, first, before we, we get into this, raise your hand. Who's actually tested this? I have, but only for Cyberpunk. I've only tested... Oh, actually, I've tested Dying Light 2. I lie. So I've tested I have both as well. All right. So <laughs> I my first impressions, I actually gave this a shot uh, in Cyberpunk. And man, is it awesome. Like cyberpunk was actually one of the first games that nvidia ever shared in terms of demonstrating how frame generation would work if you recall alex yeah uh, and even then they highlighted areas where it, where there was a weak point in it but it seems like it has continued to improve and evolve and at this point i would say it's extremely effective with absolutely minimal artifacting to the point where i'm sure if you looked at slow-mo footage or freeze frame shots you could find issues but uh, it's very difficult to notice while playing. And it basically took me up from, you know, 60, 70 FPS with maximum ray tracing on a 4090 uh, mm-hmm. to like just 120 locked, basically. It's right? amazing. Which yeah. a game looking this good and running this smooth and still feeling that responsive, it it blew me away. So I, mean, I, I had a similar experience. I didn't run any sort of analysis on the footage I captured, I simply got my slow-mo cam out. NVIDIA actually put out documents alleging that the hit to latency on Cyberpunk 2077 with DLSS 3 frame generation enabled was not even 10 milliseconds. Um, mm-hmm. And that that bears out in the basic testing I did, which is the biggest thing that I think, that was the biggest question mark during the re- preview and review periods for their newest cards because some games added ridiculous amounts of latency right. if you enabled frame <laughs> generation. And that's just, that's not going to cut it. Like, it's one thing to have some artifacting or some tearing, but feeling like it's slower to turn this thing on uh, takes away the magic trick of you're getting more, more frames. So that that just blows me away because that means you really are getting the whole formula, the whole sales pitch of DLSS 3 is crank up all those extra settings that you would otherwise skip. You're the player who wants more uh, quicker action as opposed to ray tracing. Well, we we have a magic wand that kind of can give you both. But what I'll say about Cyberpunk was that during the preview period, which was months ago that we all tested this i believe that was yeah. such a an ordeal i recall having instructions on when you change one setting you need to go back to another tab and change the other setting and start it up this way you have to use this specific yeah. exe and on and on it's so i'm not surprised <laughs> i'm not surprised to see that it took this long especially for a project like cyberpunk 2077 which yeah. we know always has patches as fast as humanly possible to finally reach people, but you now can just go and download and test this out if you have a 4000 series uh, RTX card. And yeah, I, I think it, from it, what I've seen, looks amazing. It pretty much eliminates the CPU bottleneck from the game, right? Yeah. And it's yeah. also, I think, going to be exceptionally necessary for their RTX overdrive feature, which, uh, boy, I, I wish that would ship at some point, but it's probably going <laughs> to arrive with one of the expansion packs, I'd imagine, yeah. at this point, you know? Uh, but what about uh, Dying Light 2? 
Uh, so this one is an interesting one where actually even in DLSS quality mode on a higher end uh, 4090 or even 4080, the game is still really fast. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, it, and it kind of, it's a little bit like the DLSS 3 is a little bit overkill in Dying Light 2, unless you're going for like full native 4K on one of these higher end GPUs that are or just out now. 240, 240 hertz or something. Yeah, 240 hertz or something like that. But as soon as you get down to that, like... um RTX 4070 Ti, which is obviously a super controversial card. I don't even know if anyone bought one. Um, but, <laughs> but if you get down there, and this is the one thing I still want to see, and we're probably going to end up seeing it first in the the laptop space uh, based upon the current release pattern that NVIDIA is kind of has out there, where DLSS 3 is really cool. We just described it in Cyberpunk where John saw it like, oh, my God, 4K 120 maxed out this is incredible yeah. but what about like that lower end scale where people are playing at 1440p and they have cards that can really only maybe do 60 fps with dlss on already that is dlss to super resolution and then i think it gets really interesting because it's like a force multiplier on those cards uh but they don't exist yet <laughs> and they won't exist in the desktop space for quite a while i imagine uh based upon nvidia hasn't said anything about the release of a 4070 or 4060 yet uh but they have talked about those things in the laptop space and they are coming out i think there was already a listing for a 4090 laptop not too long ago uh so those 49 laptops are actually like a desktop 4070 um but you know so it gives you a sense like i think what we're seeing right now is really cool but i want to see how the dlss3 still works on one of those mid-range or lower end cards which don't exist yeah yeah the the tests i did uh last year of running stuff at 8k with dlss3 on pushed the limits and that was an early lord knows how many refinements have been done by nvidia since then but there i do get concerned about like okay i've got this game that runs at 30 fps what does it feel like to get it to 60 with this system on i haven't tested that yet with either of these patches but i'll say i have for either. dying light 2 uh patch notes went out late last night saying we're disabling nvidia reflex until further notice by default you can toggle it yourself but we're just disabling it by default and DLSS 3 requires NVIDIA Reflex because they really they need to compensate for inherent latency lost when they enable this frame generation. So the little bit of that that I played felt a little funky. Uh, I saw some immediate artifacting as I was running around just in a 10 minute test. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know how much that has to do with DLSS 3 frame generation, but... Um, uh, it could you know, it could be something else too. It's hard to say uh, without any but that, side by sides. <laughs> but that's a but that's a game that gets away with being the slightest bit floatier. If you want to crank up the ray tracing effects on Dying Light Two uh, while playing a melee and parkour focused thing, and you get that little extra, as opposed to Cyberpunk where you really need to aim, aim down sights. Like there's certain games that can get away with that latency hit the slightest bit. But I mean, <laughs> so. I, oof. The latency hit isn't usually, it's more like uh, you're not necessarily getting like, say, a native 120 frames yeah, per that's... second style, It's but you're still getting like above what you would feel at 60 FPS, right? Yeah, that, like around that's the there. whole point. Yeah, that's like the, so, so it's it's an interesting thing where, because if you were playing like a 60 FPS V-Sync title, like with real V-Sync, yeah. uh, and like you're not going to be getting the, the DLSS 3 level of latency. It's actually probably no. going to be worse usually. Exactly, uh, that's the because, thing. Because of reflex and because, yeah, because of reflex, uh, which is really important. So I always feel like one of these days we are probably going to have to do an input latency video when yeah, FSR so. 2 come, when FSR 3 comes out, because there's going to be a lot of questions of whether or not uh, like it's viable 
that just same thing that happened when DLSS 3 came out. And I think there needs to be like a reckoning regarding that because there's a lot of info out there about what 10 milliseconds or 15 or even 20 milliseconds feels like. Uh, and I think that'd be a good thing to do a video on. Yeah, especially compared to well, you know what people are playing on consoles. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's pretty darn fast. I would say the only point where I've seen DLSS sort of struggle is if you're say targeting a thirty. If you have a thirty FPS game and you're trying to use it to get up to sixty, right? Uh, if you're starting from a lower base, then it does feel pretty mushy. But you know, my experience so far has been excellent with DLSS three, and yeah, it's it really helps offset the cpu issues it you know i say issues but games are still pretty cpu limited right uh in a lot of cases and gpus have simply gone far beyond what a cpu can deliver (laughs) and so i mean frame generation was clearly born out of like them becoming impatient with the state of cpus like uh we can't sell our our graphics cards are so fast but nothing can actually take advantage of it yet right like yeah it's it's a big shame actually um i did enjoy when i did do latency testing in the witcher 3 uh complete edition which is you know still kind of broken even with the most recent patch which we'll just be talking about but um that i didn't see actually as large of a latency hit as i would usually see uh because the game was cpu bound and apparently some titles when they're cpu bound the latency shoots up really high at that moment when you get cpu bound yeah um, so yeah actually so witcher 3 in general uh actually <laughs> let's, let's get into that real quick shall let's we let's get into that all right yeah. next topic the witcher 3 remastered gets a patch uh the new patch version 4.01 has launched for PC and consoles. And this is actually very pertinent because uh, I am still playing the Witcher three, Alex. It happened. Yeah. I, I actually have learned <laughs> to love it. I don't know what happened, but uh, I, I am actually just going through the game and doing like just about everything and having an absolute blast. Like if I actually step back and look at what I'm doing from a gameplay perspective, it's not, <laughs> it's not actually that interesting, but the world itself is very captivating. And, and the story is very good. The story think, is really too. good. The, yeah. And the dialogue, like that's the difference between say Witcher three and like an Assassin's Creed game, a modern Assassin's Creed <laughs> game. You actually want to talk to people because it's, it's interesting and Geralt rules uh, versus the AC games where it's just like, this is just nonsense. You don't care. Uh, but anyway, this new patch dropped and, um, I can't, I have not tested this yet myself. The th- I've actually been playing a mix of PC and PS5, uh, thanks to the cloud save. I can go back and forth them depending on where I feel like sitting at the moment. I'm playing yeah. one or the other. Uh, I'm curious to see how the ray tracing mode has been improved because they do specifically notice that they have optimized that because on PS5 right now and performance mode with VRR, it's pretty much fine like the performance is very smooth but the ray tracing mode is horrendous without this Mm -hmm. patch on ps5 like it's mostly under 30 frames per second like i don't know how they shipped it it's real bad so we're gonna find out if it actually fixes this but uh i don't know have you guys tested the any of these updates yet i want to hear some commentary i I tested on the pc um at the same settings i did not do a back and forth to see because there's some things like for example on the console specific um change list here they use the words optimized ray tracing global illumination mm. that means they downgraded it they downgraded um, it <laughs> uh that means they downgraded it they just they just put it in a really friendly way to say that um so i imagine if you were to compare between patches you would see differences either at a distance or close to the camera 
Alex, could it be this new performance mode for ray traced <laughs> global illumination on PC that they've added to consoles as well? It could be something like that. But the, uh, that's one thing I want to point out really quickly is that the um, I didn't actually check to see if it's almost similar to the uh, the user made patch to add in a performance version of the ray traced global illumination. I didn't see if it did the exact same thing, but it, uh, based upon their description and what I saw when I looked inside a house, it does do the same similar thing. I don't know if it's the same values though, where basically less GI at a distance and GI up close due to the sparsity of the field isn't as accurate anymore so you can get some more light leaking but on average like if you just see like something like within 20 meters of you you actually don't see much of a big difference uh, it's only really when you look at small things indoors or at a very far distance that you see a difference which is good because that's what the consoles had and I like that and that's what I always wanted them to have but the thing that they didn't really improve upon at all on the PC version is the CPU limitedness of the game it is still incredibly CPU limited um, I does it still that... run worse than Cyberpunk Alex? it still runs way worse than Cyberpunk <sighs> like by a lot on the CPU and I, I think for that um, uh, it's going to require um it would require basically like a large redoing of the work and or a changing how the how the game is currently functioning because it's using like um d3d 11 on 12 oh and right it's, yeah. it's not a it's not a native DirectX 12 right, right, right. do that kind of implementation thing and so it's, i think it's always going to be stuck in this way a little bit until unless they do something really big and they're just going to wait wait until PCs get really really fast in single threaded performance <laughs> like double well it sounds it's it sounds like from what i'm looking at i'm looking at some cursory tests uh, out there in the wild and it's looking at it like about 9 to 10% better lowest frame rates right yeah. now on this patch so 9 to 10% uh, of which is 30% is like 3 frames over 30 so sure. it's like it's actually not actually a big deal of changing the game yeah. Right, right. But it's also, uh, it's, it looks like that they also slipped in the newest uh, build of DLSS that it, into this one, oh, the, the 2.5 nice. point whatever. That's a good thing, too. Um, that, so. good. That, that will add in the um, the changes to DLSS 3, I believe, if they updated that DLL because it's a separate one. But also the ultra-low performance mode will now look better, which kind of, I may talk about that in, deal, uh, in Dead Space video when it comes out. You'll see. Yeah. Actually, I... I since our last recording, we we did actually as a sidebar. We talked about Dead Space last week, and yes. then I released my video, and then we had a whole thing happen this week where it's like, just as Oliver's video is about to go live, it's or like at least the day before, we got an email from them being like, "So we've uh, we think we've fixed the problem. We've disabled VRS on on all platforms and made it optional on PC." Sure enough, the patch arrived on PS5, and well. The difference is so dramatic that I really have to wonder how, why it was used in the first place. Uh, and as from what I gather, it doesn't really like save much in performance on the PC at all. So very, very strange. My theory with this remains that perhaps it was something implemented when they were doing a checkerboard a solution on the consoles and they needed that extra performance. And when they switched to FSR2, which does not work well with their uh, VRS solution, they just kind of left it there. It was mm -hmm. kind of like a load-bearing uh, technique, if you will. And yeah, thankfully, it's gone. It's much better. And we'll have a lot more details on that coming soon, both from Oliver, who's just waiting for that Xbox patch. It's coming. <laughs> uh, and you, Alex, who just started on your video, so everybody waiting for that. Yeah, just It'll patience. be worth it. It'll be patience. good. It'll be good. We always wait. 
and try to get our videos out on the latest version of the game. And if we hear a patch is coming, we delay the video, which we had to do, unfortunately, with Oliver. He's doing (laughs) extra work for it. But this happened to me with the high on life situation last year, which uh, we ended up deeming the game. It wasn't worth redoing the entire video. <laughs> yeah, it was just like we're not going to get enough return on this. Uh, so, so yeah, that's a it's a that's a great DF Patreon uh, perk though. Getting oh, that, that video funny. that was never yeah. to be as a as a proud DF <laughs> Patreon member, I was very happy to get to. There was that. also the uh, the Uncharted Four uh, Lost Legacy. Oh of, yeah, you, you know, did that too. Video. I also redid it a video once. Uh, it actually happens Dave. to you a lot, Alex. Like <laughs> you've had this more than most of us. <laughs> yeah, because PC games launch broken. Uh, they love know, to launch so. broken. They love launching broken. Uh, uh, speaking yeah. of broken, though, we're <laughs> on to our next topic. Uh, topic number five for the day, and let's keep this brief because I have a video coming for this. But uh, it's Goldeneye. Goldeneye came out recently, and uh, we've all been playing it. I'm working on a video for it, as I just said. And uh, Sam, I think you wanted to get in some choice words here. So take it away. Yeah, I, I'm excited that you're working on a video. Uh, I assume it's going to hit a lot of these points. But essentially, when that went live, I immediately rushed to my Xbox and Nintendo Switch. I've been following the concept of GoldenEye coming back for a while. I'd been chasing down the rumors about the remaster that rare made and then shell oh, yeah. and then i got teases and hints about that coming out and as we talked about that we thought well goodness is anything ever to come out one of the um x rare devs i talked to at that point said oh i you're more likely to see uh this game reskinned with halo assets than you're going to see a goldeneye re-release based on his experiences with rare nintendo mgm and the other license holders well fast forward to this past week the game comes out and it's very strange the nintendo switch version isn't tuned to work as an FPS in terms of joystick sensitivity. And this may boil down to the fact that Nintendo never actually put out another FPS for the Switch <laughs> emulator. So it never it never grokked this out with, say, oh, Turok yeah, or any other game. Yeah, that fundamentally, this problem is that they, they just include it like with the default controller mappings on the Switch controller. It's designed to be played with one of their wireless N64 controllers that you can buy for the Switch. But those are very hard to find. And without it, the default mm-hmm. sucks, but it is fixable. <laughs> but even I, I, I have the N64 controller and even that, the, the, the joystick sensitivity on it is not right. They're not, <laughs> oh, no, they're not really? grading the sensitivity <clears throat> levels in a way that, in my opinion, matches with the N64 version. Now, let, those N64 joysticks are old and brittle, so take that with a grain of salt. But that is not just my sense. That's I've been talking to a, a longtime GoldenEye streamer who goes by Grassloo00. Uh, and they've been uh, in touch with me. And the thing that I picked up while chatting with Grasslu, um, his sense is that this game may have been done, both the Xbox and N64 versions, a year ago uh, when the, the, the rumblings happened originally, that this has just been sitting finished. And that Xbox version by Code Mystics, at least co-created by, I, I don't know exactly how much Code Mystics handled 100% or 50% or what. But that version has a lot of weird issues, and some of them are exposed by simply upscaling from the original N64 resolution to something higher. So you're seeing these sort of, I want to say Z-buffer effects, is that's what it's called, where you see these these points just emerge uh, that look ungainly. Yeah. But you're yeah, all, yeah, I know what you mean. But there's all... Mm-hmm. 
And there's also just things that shouldn't happen with um, enemies spawning at points that don't make sense or clipping through walls in ways that don't make sense. There's stuff going on with it that just feels wrong. And then the let's not even start with the music, which has something's wrong with the sound emulation. I've never heard N64 emulation is tricky, but I've never heard music emulation be so wrong. You can hear it in the opening bop, bop. Bop, bop of it. Is there something grating about it? And, it, and it's just, it's, yes, I'm, I'm very good at the music. That's why they hire me to sing. But, but there's just, there's just something really weird and wrong with it. And it sounds like whatever budget was done for the emulation and project release might just be spent. We may never see a patch to this is the concern that I think a lot of fans have. So uh, hats off to Grassloo00 for chronicling all of this stuff on their Twitter uh, you can see exactly what they're talking about, and they know their stuff in terms of being one of the best golden eye speedrunners. Yeah, runners so in the they world. know like where each enemy spawns and everything. You know, these people are uh, how do you say that? Like big nerds. <laughs> yeah, so that's definitely been something I've I spent a lot of time going over it as well, and I agree with some of those complaints for sure. Uh, my biggest issue is with the way, and this is something I get into, but it feels to me like developers are still n making weird choices in, re in relation to how they present vintage 3d graphics, right? Uh, there's still this weird impression with emulation that, yeah, let's just increase the resolution. Sony did this with its PS one classics on PS five. They all look terrible. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's basically what they're doing here as well. And the art just isn't designed for that. And, their emulation actually and aspects of it are very accurate to like low level emulation surprisingly but then other aspects are completely just not at all and so when they made the tweet saying like oh well this is accurate to the n64 like they're not actually wrong it's just that uh they didn't go all the way it's like yeah those that aspect is accurate but all this other stuff you're doing is not and yeah they kind of found this weird middle ground where it ends up just looking really not good. And I think it does a disservice to the artwork. Um, and that's, that's kind of a bummer. And then as you say, the sound, uh, I'll have nice sound comparisons in the video because yeah, the yeah, sound they're is, great uh, though. Yeah. John's it's, sound comparisons it's are good. pretty nasty on the Xbox version. I don't know what yeah. happened there. Um, I just, my ultimate bummer about this is that nobody was really taught, look, thinking about the legacy of what happens if some kid who's never played GoldenEye grabs either the NSO emulator yeah, right. or Xbox Game Pass. They're both hugely popular services where these just come in. This is the opposite situation of a longtime fan saying, I want to get GoldenEye because I loved it and my friends love it and we want to play it. And I just feel like that very opening sense of, oh, you are coming in completely cold. Uh, here's this game that built a legacy that changed how level design was done, how console first-person shooters were done. They get none of that context. And that's the big bummer for me, especially in a world where Atari 50 exists and kicks butt at being the exact opposite <laughs> way of onboarding a new generation to why an old system, which was old and buggy and weird, mattered and was beloved. Sam, the big problem I see is... Well, yeah, beyond that, it's uh, it's still that 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 version rare did for xbox 360 that mm -hmm. that makes me so sad i'm trying not to talk about it because it breaks my heart and i also wonder about the gray state of of how how oh i don't good care i'm to talking talk about, about it, it because <laughs> uh I, quite frankly like i think those developers would prefer us to experience that version and uh i'm kind of angry with nintendo for causing issues with licensing up to this point 
that I have that version installed on an actual Xbox 360 and it's uh it looks and runs like a dream it's exactly what people wanted and who whoever it is whichever stuffed suit decided like no we can't release this like that's that's an example of what's wrong with the industry right there like these people just want their cut of the pie to the point where they're willing to completely destroy something for what now they get a worse version of it now like nintendo <laughs> could have had that version if they wanted i'm sure it just doesn't it really boils my blood to be honest to, to see the way that these companies behave with the stuff everybody always just throws out the yeah but licensing's difficult it doesn't have to be that difficult this is <laughs> no, just somebody that wants to be paid for something either you know and it's usually more than they deserve for whatever the thing is it's just like oh we had we were attached to this thing at some point in the past and like we, we need our game. we need our cut despite doing nothing else on it like like just people need to learn to be reasonable and they, they're just not in this business. And I know that's simplifying things, but it's you, you, I saw the original developers they are out there on Twitter, like saying, Hey, we would have loved to have done this project. We wouldn't have let you down. And furthermore, I don't, I don't even want to blame something like code mystics. Code mystics does great work. They are an excellent company with this stuff. I don't believe a lot of this stuff is entirely their fault. I think this is, this is a much deeper situation than that. I think they're probably just as unhappy with how it turned out in the end and would love to have done a better work on this. So I don't blame them for that either. It's just, there's clearly something going on. There's, there's people getting in the works that are just preventing this from being as good as it could be. And that just sucks. And it's hurting the legacy of the game. Uh, and just bond games in general, we haven't had a new one for like 10 years <laughs> at this point. And man, it just, it sucks. It really sucks. So, I don't know, Alex. Do you have anything to say on this? Well, or, I, I mean, I, I, I really wish that the, that 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 rare updated Xbox 360 version was what we were getting right now. But for me, I'm also like at the angle of this from Sam's, where I think when a game is re-released as a remastered state, there are things that you do is like if it's possible to bring it up to like uh, the refresh rate of like modern televisions that's what you do you make sure it does it well with game no game speed issues because those things you try and make it not hindered by the hardware it was on previously but then you try and keep the spirit of it alive and don't have it look weird uh that's the issue and i think that's something that's usually missing from remasterings uh, at times oh, yeah. and sometimes it's done really really well like yeah, obviously, night, night dive, night night dive, dive does it really well like the command <laughs> the command and conquer remaster oh, yeah. is also like mm, brilliant like, just orgasmically good it's so good you know and things like that i love that and then it's a shame to see this um so yeah. well i will tell people who are disappointed go grab perfect dark the xbox 360 version which is on rare replay and game pass i am actually it's funny that it has matchmaking for its online mode and no one's on it and i look at they go this is it's golden eyed plus like yeah. i understand that i'm in the in the minority in terms of liking what perfect dark did that there are people who it. like the nostalgia of golden eye but i think 4j <laughs> studios killed it on that project yeah, it runs so well there's a few moments where the 30 to 60 fps interpolation is a little funky but not in a way that makes the game unplayable far from it it's that game is watertight wow yeah i agree <laughs> that's a good way to put it uh but that's enough uh, complaining about the state of goldeneye 
Let's move on to our last and final topic of the show before we get to the Q&A. And that topic is new beta firmware for PlayStation 5, the quintuple. Uh, it rises again. And the new the new feature on this it, one... It keeps rising again. It just, it just can't stop. Uh, well, they seem to have been added... They seem to have added variable refresh rate support for the 1440p mode, which was conspicuously absent prior mm-hmm. for some reason that's not clear uh unfortunately i haven't tested this yet but i haven't actually determined whether no i th- I, I was hoping they would actually allow proper low frame rate compensation on yeah. the uh, ps5 because that is sorely missing and it, it's absolutely wild that that's not implemented in any way because right now you if you're at if you're running a 60 hertz game 120 that there's workarounds for that that's fine but for 60 hertz games if your frame rate drops below 48 frames per second yeah it's it's over you're back to like no vrr basically and um that sucks but at least now 1440p is a very common pc monitor resolution it's probably a lot of people using ps5s on pc monitors that are very happy with that 1440p support and now they can actually use the limited but still useful vrr didn't Sony sell a 1440p set like within the past two years? Uh, I know they put out some I, monitors. I, thought, I don't remember if it was 1440p. Yeah, monitors, I just remember that yeah. monitor push. And I, I just remember them being like, wait, wait, isn't one, one of these doesn't actually get full PlayStation 5 support? What are you guys doing? So <laughs> I haven't tested this either. Good for them. Uh, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Alex. Oh, it's okay. Uh, I was just going to say that this was usually one of those moments where I would boot this up and try and check it out. But unfortunately, I don't even have I don't have my old television that has 1440p support. Uh, so I couldn't tell you if this just supports HDMI 1440p VRR or if it actually uses the old protocol, essentially, which is uh, FreeSync. Uh, right. I, I can't actually tell you. I can't tell I, the audience. I think that. it's the VRR uh, 2.1. Yeah. So like, that's the thing. I don't, I don't know if this is about covering older sets and I unfortunately cannot test it. I used to be able to, but ever since I got the, uh, the, the C1 here, the 48 inch C1, you know, uh, I, I don't have the old one anymore. I kind of sold it. So sorry so about you, that. People, Alex, that that's a really good point because, uh, 1440p at 120 hertz specifically was useful on non-HDMI 2.1 displays. That's where it came in. Right. But also like most monitors, I feel that are 1440p that could take advantage of this likely don't have an HDMI 2.1 port. Display monitors typically don't. They have a display port like a 1.4, which is what you normally use, but their HDMI ports are usually not 2.1 compliant. So I'm really curious to know which what this monitors supports. yeah what yeah. what does this support and which <laughs> monitors can even take advantage of this so that's, a, that's so a weird i know one. that I, i'm looking at the notes and they definitely have they talk about uh, uh updating the parameters of the ps5's 1440p output test and so that means enabling support for a wider range wider range of 1440p hdmi displays and there's a whole test 1440p output thing built into the yeah, menu, there already so. there already was yeah right so which is to say they're like trying to make it sound like it's more widely compatible but but who knows yeah um i so one thing that also used to happen before is if your display like it it would show you initially the 
what was it, the 1440p test first or the 1080p test first? I don't know. It showed the run of the test in the wrong order, so people would cancel it oh, before yeah. it would <laughs> before it would say that it actually supports 1440p. That was another thing that is still it could still be there. It could be the thing that they changed in this patch. Uh, but once again, I don't have the. I literally don't have the hardware to test this anymore. Yeah, same. So maybe maybe uh, Rich does when he comes back. He can take a look at it. Yeah, because I mean, the 60 hertz VR could still be useful on some PC monitors, but again, they won't be 2.1 compliant. So this may not be that useful, but uh, we'll see. You you guys listening should let us know uh, if you actually What's have happening? a display <laughs> that supports this, because I would like to know if if even such a thing exists. But uh, the the other yeah. stuff in in the update we've got Discord voice chat mm. so PlayStation Five is now at parity with Xbox Series for just having Discord natively inside which is great uh, I it's love useful. that both companies are now just making that one you you don't have to juggle your phone if you just want to have that Discord chat built into what you're doing uh, you can now um, upload manually uh, captures to the PlayStation app you don't have to if you want to have the use that PlayStation app to deal with media captures. You don't have to just automatically upload everything to the app, That's good. which is nice because I, if I was going to use that app, I certainly wouldn't be an auto auto upload situation from there. <laughs> it sounds like some social stuff has been cleaned up for uh, sharing screens with friends and joining games, just being more easily visible. It's all these different. It seems like more of the quality of life stuff that should have been in there already in terms of, of social. So better the, late than never, I suppose. I still I'm still baffled by how PlayStation 5 launched as inferior to PS4 in so many That's little the ways. UI stuff where it was such a <laughs> oh, my I'm God, there's so many ways where PS4 was usable. I'm like, why didn't you just copy I'm that whole sale instead of? <laughs> well, I get that, but it just it reminded me of when Xbox One came out and like 360 had so many things right and they spent I don't know 7 years basically making it resemble the 360 interface again. That was sort of my takeaway with Xbox. <laughs> I, I mean this just shows so. when you redesign your interface from the ground up like this and this also applies to to PC operating systems, right? Microsoft certainly faced this with Windows 11. There were mm -hmm. a lot of things that they did initially that, and still do, unfortunately, that or are Windows a step 8. down from yeah. prior Windows. So this is just what happens. And so while while I was a little bummed out that the Xbox series stuck with the same design as Xbox One for the OS, it probably turned out to be beneficial in the end in terms of functionality <laughs> because they were just basically building on what already worked. So I get that. So there's one thing since they, they added this in and we don't know what it still does yet because we don't have the stuff to test it <laughs> on here. And we're, we're going to have to rely on the audience, unfortunately, for this. Uh, and, you know, presumably there's going to be a Reddit um, like thread of people posting their experiences, which I'll try and check out. But I want my dream thing that I want them to put in the PS5 firmware and in the OS is manual saves to USB thumbsticks again. Oh my gosh. Uh, it's USB drives because that's one thing I'm missing because we used to share saves all the time at DF actually. And it was really useful. Yeah. Uh, online save saving. And uh, maybe maybe they're not doing it because they're afraid of hacking and stuff like that. I but think that's exactly it would be a why. really good idea to maybe make it some really hack proof system. I have no idea what it would be, but I would really, really like that because it's the one thing that's sorely missing uh, from that console, from me, from my limited use of it. Yeah. Can, wait, is it is that possible on any console right now? Uh, I actually don't know about something with Xbox, but it just has cloud saves for free, so I don't ever think about it. Right. No, for free, that makes sense. I'm just, it just, 
you being able to use USB devices again. I feel like that's uh, that's no longer possible on any platform, which is a shame. You you can, uh, for example, save gameplay capture. I know with Game DVR to thumbsticks. yes, you can do that, but not saves. I'm not sure about saves. I haven't tried yeah, saves. Not, no, no the, and Nintendo's got yeah, that locked down also, on their whole SD card structure exactly. as well. Mm-hmm. So like, we've lost that ability, and that sucks. <laughs> we've basically lost control of our save data. It's uh. They they did that they did that to punish jailbreakers and then people are going to jailbreak these systems eventually to restore <laughs> that functionality. So it's like, yeah, yeah. I, this week I finally uh, did a full jailbreak on my uh, Wii U uh, with the oh heck yeah what, what aroma it's called. I previously had tiramisu, but aroma is a little bit more polished up. And the main reason I wanted to do it was just so I could use one Wii U for all region games because they it's- decided to lock it down. Is the aroma one that uses backwards compatibility to do the jailbreak, or how does it work? Do you do you know? Uh, I don't know how it works specifically, okay. other than I, I went through the process of tiramisu previously, and I was able to just plop this on the SD card and then switch the bootloader over to aroma instead, and then aroma oh, nice. uses a plugin system, and it actually allows you to put apps directly on the Wii U home screen, so you don't have to go through any of these weird like side loaders or things like that. And it just feels, it feels almost like it's like really smoothly integrated into the system in a way that it wasn't previously. And now, yeah, I can just pop in uh, game discs from any region and they just boot straight away. So it's just an example of like jumping through hoops to fix functionality that should have been there in the first place. Right. I I don't have anything technical to add. I just like when I hear that console's name, I just like to say, Wii U, Wii U. (laughs) Well, it seems like NVIDIA Broadcast does not like you saying that since it just clipped most of it. It's, it's, I, I was you know say, what? That just censored my dumb Wii U joke. It's censoring you. It's censoring like, you. We do not say that name, the Wii U. Like, no, no Wii U over here. Gosh, the, the Wii U is such a... The Wii U both sucks and owns at the same time. It's just it's just one of those consoles. You know? It's like what the power glove of the console. It's, it's certainly something. I just need... Yeah, if you... If the, does the jailbreak bring back all the social stuff to Wii U? That's uh, that would be why I do it to just get back to sending uh, uh, all those little I messages. Don't and know because I, I, think so. I did not use those other than trying to draw a dick once and just you know because that's what you that's that's what you do on the Wii U. Come on, like, come on. I, I do not. I do not condone this like activity. Horrible street pass things you can send to people. <laughs> you could yeah. you could doodle. Oh man, we're getting way off track here. This is nonsense. Yeah. So we should probably just move on to the Q and A, shall we? Let's do it. All right. As always, we take our questions from our wonderful Patreon supporters. You dial 1-800-DIGITAL-FOUNDRY or you just go to the Patreon site and respond to the call for questions, which is what all these fine folks did as usual. And we have a nice smorgasbord. Yes, smorgasbord (laughs) of questions here today, including one of our favorite uh, patrons (laughs) returning to the table. You know what? I'm going to go with him first because he's back. Atabata Pling Boink Wee, he has returned. And he actually says, I'm back, in all caps. And this one's for you, Sam. You ready? He says, Sam, you've called the RTX 4090 the biggest bargain in years. What other gaming bargains do you recommend? Uh, 
That was one of those. Uh, I, I I immediately knew that people would latch on to that because I recall when I was talking about the forty ninety, I was talking about its MSRP, which, as we all know, doesn't truly suggested is as bad a scare quotes a thing as possible for those because 4090s were up in the $2,000 range almost instantly. And I haven't checked prices, but I think they're still there. When it comes to biggest bargains, I mean, I'm currently just at the point of looking at what things you can buy in the gaming space that are cheap right now. And it's really just about disc games from the 360 PS3 era, uh, <laughs> at least in the States. That's where I'm seeing low prices. Oh, yeah, same here. And if you... And if you want to get, yeah, so if you want to get a collection of physical media of great games, go grab those discs right now. Other than that, they're on the rides up know. though, Sam. Like, uh, oh, sure. PS3 oh, sure. specifically, uh, absolutely, Xbox there's no, there's no stability in that. Pretty market. cheap in general, I think. Like, even original Xbox is kind of, other than a few rare titles, they're mostly pretty affordable. PS3, I think what happened there was when Sony was going to shut down PSN, it triggered this, like, need to go hunt down ps3 titles but uh i still think it's widely affordable so that's a good shout anything else though Mm -hmm. and i mean you know the nes era i think those cartridges are starting to come down in price again uh maybe even super nintendo and genesis like Mm, i I mean it's really it it depends on your store and what you've got options but when i think about gaming bargains it just stinks in terms of you know ps4 and xbox one production was was halted essentially for the new era so you can't just go and get a cheap it's not like the old days where you could grab a dirt cheap ps2 in in that system's uh golden years uh certainly not the case with wii u i yeah, I, w- I, I wish that I had good yeah I wish I had yeah I wish I had good bargain ideas uh I don't know just buy some buy some old so, DVDs that are of Pokemon episodes mentioning the, uh, the 8-bit and 16-bit stuff the stuff what I've seen happen generally is that there's a point where very common games start to be sold for higher amounts of money and that's kind of a scam I'd say and usually when the prices come down it's those games that come back down to a more reasonable price point but the stuff that was always sought after, uncommon or rare, I I've never seen that stuff actually go back down. Right? Like just <laughs> I, oh, I'm, I, what I mean when I say NES games, I mean like the ones that have 27 copies that are devil. You know, your uh, the sports games. Oh my God! If you want a gaming bargain, just grab any Madden or <laughs> FIFA game that's five or seven years old. They're perfectly fine games that yeah, aren't yeah, loaded yeah. with uh, card trading. Uh, exactly. So if you want to, if you want to sports, there's, there's, you go. That's the, that's the gaming bargain. Find a, find and, a year, an annualized sports game and go five to seven years back. In the spirit of add about a pling boink Wii though, I would say that, uh, finding a used RTX 3090 is probably the biggest bargain in PC graphics right now. Yeah. Cause people so. are trying to unload those. Cause the people that own 3090s are usually the ones that want to upgrade to the 4090. Right. So like, well, I gotta, I gotta get rid of this 3090 and they tend to let them go for pretty good prices. So yeah, they just want to offset the 4090 cost a yeah. little bit usually. So, Oh, that's great. My, my mother, my brother is one of those people right now yeah, who just a, bought a 4090 and he's looking to offload his 3090. Just give him, give him your brother's address. Let's, let's make let's a love connection this. here. Let's all right. This. All right. Let's move on to the next question, though. This one comes from Hattrick, not the Hattrick hero from Taito. This is just regular old Hattrick. Oh, yeah. Um, Hattrick. So he says, hey, DF, have you guys had the chance to test copying the shader cache folder and transferring it from one PC 
to another, as long as they have the same GPU and driver, of course, and see if that works at eliminating shader compilation stutter on that second PC. Alex? No, I have not. But uh, actually, in the, in, the, in the spirit of this, though, I will tomorrow morning, when I boot up my second PC, I will actually do this. Um, yeah. Because I will do it specifically for Dead Space because I've literally found what is called one shader compilation stutter in all of Dead Space, and it's really easy to do. Uh, <laughs> so it's really easy to find, and I know where it happens. So I'm going to see if I can uh, do this, and then Sweet. maybe I'll get back well, to what's you next your, What's your prediction? Uh, my prediction is that it's going to work uh, for just for the GPU, though. Just for the yeah, one yeah, GPU. Yeah, 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 That's yeah. it. That's it. All right. Next question. This one comes from tyler dodge and he says anyone else feel like square enix might be in financial trouble <laughs> after investing so heavily in forespoken and releasing two mediocre reviews uh i don't think you can judge the financial state of a company based on one single release especially when they're that large but i'm sure this hurts actually square enix in general in 2022 had such a weird year where they just they released so many games and most of them had like little to no fanfare. Like I loved some of the games they put out, but boy, they did a bad job at sort of like raising awareness or like showing people why they should even care. Uh, and I'm a little bit confused by the approach they've been taking lately. And then Forspoken is like kind of a high profile failure. I might say, I, I, I don't know if it's if it's actually a failure necessarily, but I can't imagine it's doing great. They they really have to nail Final Fantasy sixteen. I, I, the thing that strikes me this week with this question is that uh, Embracer, who bought a bunch of Square Enix IP, just sold oh, Tomb yes. Raider for six hundred million to Amazon after buying Tomb Raider and everything else for only three hundred million. So they yeah, doubled little... their investment while still holding on to pretty much the rest of it. So when it comes to Square Enix and financial trouble, I just don't know what they're doing. I uh, that whole Embracer <laughs> yeah. deal strikes me as a company that has. It feels like they're. It's almost like they're running a drug front, like all these retro <laughs> video games that we love coming out of the front are just a way to hide like a secret nft marketplace that they're running in the back of the mall <laughs> that is definitely what it is um for me uh I'm, I'm like john i'm really hoping that the next final fantasy is really good because i've been really as someone who's playing the games on pc and not on the consoles um i've been really upset and I, my video pointed it out like Square Enix hasn't been doing a good job for their PC releases for a while now, at least for the, you know, like the JRPG stuff. Would you say Forspoken was better or worse than Final Fantasy VII Remake? So it's Final Final Fantasy VII Remake was at least fine on a mid-range PC and you went to DX11 and you just ignored some weirdness and you just said, I'm playing 60 FPS and that's really about it. I think that's fine, but it's not a good piece of release. I think no. actually Forspoken is worse because if the mid-range experience is completely not there. Uh, it's even debatable whether the high-range experience is there to a certain degree because the you really need an ultra-high-end card to make this game look and run really great, which is what John had. You know, John John's initial impressions were like, hey, this is pretty great. And then I also played it a bit too, and I was like, this feels so much better than the PlayStation 5 version. And then I went down to the mid-range and it was like, oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> so I, I think they just need to, at least from my perspective – do a little bit better with the porting. Yeah, it kind of shocked me when you're like, you know what? If you have an eight gigabyte GPU, just don't, don't, don't even, 
I ain't, <laughs> I'm not even talking there. about this. Don't bother. <laughs> yeah, like that, it's one of those shocking. It's one of those rare moments where, <clears throat> like, because I do optimize settings, they're technically viable for all GPUs, but I've been always targeting, as in the last two years, eight gigabyte GPUs at least. Because that's like the typical mid-range uh, VRAM out. And if you can't, like, it's usually optimized settings are about getting the good visual performance experience. But if one thing is literally ruining the entire graphical presentation, as in the textures, um, yeah, that's, I can't ever actually recommend it, which was really sad. All right, next question. This one comes from Eric Benoit. He says, I read that Sony lowering, wait, typo there, Eric. I read that Sony <laughs> is lowering its production of VR2 Eric. because pre-orders haven't met expectations. Yeah. Is Sony VR going the way of the Vita? <laughs> the, the Vita. Vita, which John happens uh, to have. It Well, do you think yeah. the low pre-orders are a result of lack of overall PS5 availability or bad marketing? No Astrobot Rescue Mission 2? And I'm just going to add in Half-Life Alex. Sam, you've expressed a desire to speak on this question. So please take us away. This is an interesting hardware launch because right now it's currently exclusively, I believe, unless I'm missing something in other territories, on PlayStation's website. If you want to get PlayStation VR 2, you're ordering it directly from Sony right now. Um, Is that that so? I that's, that's I if there are other sellers out there uh I I haven't seen them and I've done a bad job looking. I just know that when I look you can still just order directly from Sony and I think that's doing a lot to change how the whole thing is being uh marketed at least in the in the United States, how it's being talked about because you're not getting that mind share of of GameStop wow. and other retailers. Interesting. Um, yeah, um, and I hope you're doing a live fact check of me as I talk I, this out. I am, and I'm just checking different sites, and it is not coming up for sale at all. Right, right. And, and so what Sony gets there is the full cut, and that's the risk that I think a lot of uh, console publishers have always dreamed of. Why do we have to give that cut up? Let's just sell it directly to the enthusiasts. But that is a weird way to make people think it doesn't exist. Because I think there's folks like us who go to a lot of forums and read a lot of Twitter accounts and hear about all these things. And then there's a whole other universe of people who are like, I don't know what video games are big. Call of Duty, Fortnite, Madden, FIFA. Like, there's just that different ecosystem. So if that conversation isn't happening and people don't know that it exists, then this rumor about low pre-order numbers could indeed be true. Um... I do wonder, because of that limited promotion and because of that narrow selling, if this whole thing is different executives in the Sony interactive side basically not agreeing. Like someone said, I really want this to come out. And other guys are like, this is a waste of our time. Fine, you go ahead and do it as that small thing and we'll see if it's an Aluvad. But the other thing that seemed to be teased early on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You said Aluvad and I love it. I'm going to use that. Someone told me last That's week, or was two weeks ago, these are called a spoonerism, by the way. A spoonerism? Oh, I love a spoonerism. Oh, that's fantastic. Mix good, up the first continent. I can totally yeah. go for a good spoonerism. I, yeah, right now. I'll get more coffee in a bit. But, but the problem I see is that the sales pitch, I think, was, oh, or at least the internal sales pitch that we had heard rumored was this is going to be a way to take AAA stuff that PlayStation already has 
and get VR exclusive content to go with it. So every game would have some sort of extra VR bit. And we see that mm -hmm. with Resident Evil 8. We see that with Gran Turismo 7, but not much else yet. And I feel like it's going to be a chicken and egg thing of, of why would we put those resources into a uh, VR mode if no one's buying VR? Well, why is no one <laughs> buying VR if we don't do enough of these modes? But ultimately, the lack of PSVR 1 upgrades is baffling to me. I feel like that is something where they could have spent very little money to just have content yeah, and get games. people to buy in because that's 550 bucks. So, okay, if that 550 bucks comes with, you know, the $200 of old games I love that I would like to play on a higher resolution, great. So that's sort of the messiness I think about with, with it. It's not about PS5 availability. It's about Mindshare. Yeah, I think that's, mm. a, that's a good way to put it. And if you, want, if you want the competition, though, I see the Meta Quest Pro is on sale right now. $400 off. It is oh, now, wow. So that's now it's uh, only $1,099 <laughs> instead of $1,500. <laughs> Which wow. is hilarious. After they raise the price of the Quest 2, that uh, I can't. That's that's something. That's how bad the Quest Pro is doing. If they have to slash the prices in a world where every electronic is actually going up in price. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. But yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm still excited to see what PSVR 2 brings to the table. I hope that they do properly support it. Uh, I actually think the PSVR received really good support over its years. Uh, it still has games coming out off and on, and there's a lot of great stuff on there. Um, so, I mean, it's PSVR 2 is never going to be the central focal point of their business, but we'll see what happens. So hoping for the best. And we have one more question for you here today, ladies and gentlemen, and it comes from Chris Burns. Uh, he asked, does the DF crew think it is quote unquote safe to move to Windows 11 on a dedicated gaming rig? What do you think, Alex? I would say yes at this point in time, because I'm pretty sure literally um, everyone who should have been able to get an upgrade via Windows update has been notified. And if you haven't, uh, it's telling you to take the safety PC health check, probably because you haven't been able to turn on TPM in your BIOS. Right. And you have to look that up online, how to do that. In I've been using Windows 11 now for about a year on my main, um, uh, on my test rig. Uh, and I even updated the videos to show that, uh, the, like the Windows 11 icons there instead of the Windows 10 one now. And uh, also I upgraded in that time on my um editing rig as well too and i haven't experienced many uh windows 11 only issues uh, the ones i have experienced have had to do with nvidia drivers for their uh, studio drivers and did not have anything to do with windows 11 in their own right i think one thing that you're gonna have to get used to if you do upgrade now and i definitely recommend it uh, as we're seeing with something like forspoken direct storage sees benefits under windows 11 um is that you're going to have to get used to some like things just not being as quick. Uh, like I always think like right clicking the desktop is not as quick. So find shell extensions to do that. Um, another thing that is not as quick is doing anything that involved what was the control panel, which is now it's, it's hard to find the control panel and it, use it these days to say oh, the least. Dude. The thing that got, that drives me <laughs> insane still is they, they got rid of the never combine buttons on the yes. taskbar, right? I like to I be able to have multiple windows, each as their own icon on the taskbar. And they're like, no, 
we're not doing that. It's always combining all the time. It uh, sucks. Yeah. Another thing is if you have an audio setup with multiple things, say speakers, headphones, interface, um, switching audio devices in Windows 11 is more annoying because it requires like three clicks when it was just one click before in Windows right. 10. Yep. <laughs> so there are some things that I'm not sure what the design was there. I'm actually still not sure what the design was there, but it's there. So, But for performance and stability, I've been fine. I don't know. What about you, John? Uh, I'm pretty much with you. I've been using it for over a year now, and it's been fine. I have my complaints with it, but by and large, it runs smooth enough. Uh, can't say I've had any real issues. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. Sam, anything else on this? No crashes on either of my primary or secondary testing rig. Um, I'm a fan of hitting the Windows key and the period. Uh, when I'm typing things, it brings up a really handy shortcut bar that's already in Windows 10, but I like the Windows 11 one better. Um, and yeah, it's it's it seems stable. It seems good. Uh, good right. job for once, Microsoft. All right. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for this show. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed my rambling as I attempted to host this. Not you did a great job, John. Not quite at the John, at, at the lid better level. Let's be honest. The the guys. No legend. one is. What so. can we no say? No one is. You can't match him. Uh, but if I were rich, I would tell you to go to YouTube, our YouTube channel and ring that bell for nominally instant notifications. Uh, that that is his guarantee. And uh, notionally, notionally, instant. Yeah. notionally, nominally. Uh, oh, how wait. many other n adjectives do we have here? Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's pretty much Negligence. it. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate the support as always, and thanks for watching because we're. Uh, we're heading close to that episode 100. It's coming soon. The magic 100. It's going to be a blowout. We got some special stuff lined up. So we'll see you then.